I could put you off, especially when we're talking about sexuality here tonight. Um, this is good. God's amazing. Um, we called it God's Guide to Sexuality, and I have to tell you from the outset that um, I don't think it's the exhaustive God is speaking you His entire guide tonight through me. Not fully. Um, I'm going to do my best to really encourage you guys in a topic that's um, very, very relevant for all of us and use God's Bible, hopefully, in a way that honours Him. Um, well, we certainly have this desire within us, um, this desire for a deep, loving relationship with someone, a relationship full of excitement and romance, sexual, intellectual, emotional intimacy, personality connection, this relationship that creates a profound energy, uh, this relationship of commitment, um, with one with honesty and support and it creates encouragement and grace and patience and understanding. This is an amazing thing that we have, that we, we want, that we desire this relationship. And it's because God has really wired us up for it. It's not like something we conjure up ourselves, but God's kind of set it in our hearts, if you like. I'm happy with this. This is good. Um, and boy, do we look for it. We look for it. Look for it everywhere. Who is it? And some of you are looking around tonight going, gee, I hope they're in here tonight. Churches, you know? That's probably why someone invented church shopping. Do you know what I mean? It's not really the style of service you're looking for. It's just you're scoping out where the good lookers are, you know? Or personality, I mean, personality. So we're going to go to festivals. We go to camps. We go to work, university, wherever. Just looking. Where are they? Where are they? When I was uh, studying in Melbourne, I used to uh, attend this church called uh, Glen Waverley Anglican Church. Called it GWAC for obvious reasons. And uh, many of the young adults who went to the church also went to Monash University. And it was what you could say a prime environment for mixing. I think you'd call it that, mixing. I remember I'd go to church um, every Sunday and I'd just be looking out into the congregation, love you God, you're amazing, mm, she's not bad over there, or whatever, you know, like, hopefully I was a little bit more focused on that, but quite often not really at all, um, and I remember using my best powers of charm and persuasion, trying to work my whatever it is I'm supposed to have, and, but nothing ever eventuated from my days in GWAC, I was quite disappointed at the time, no sympathy, thanks very much. Interesting though, because years later, a friend of mine, um, like last year, the year before, by the name of Fiona, I was in her small group at this particular church. And then like a week, a year or two ago, she tells me, um, do you know that when you and your brother used to walk in, there was a few hearts that would flutter? And I'm going like, hello, like would have been helpful a bit earlier on. I'm not, under, I'm not worried about it now. I have a lovely wife, of course. Um, but, you know, if only I had of new. And like this deep desire that's, that's planted in us, um, planted in probably most of us here, this desire for deep relationship, we're on a serious quest to find it. But the problem is that um, this, with this deep desire for relationship connection, which I must say, you know, from God's perspective is marriage, 
That's what he's wanting for us with another believer. With this dire desire for deep connection, um, often is a presence of this frustration because we haven't got it. Can't find it. Not even on the horizon for some of us. And we, we all probably know that, you know, some of us, you know, earlier, but, you know, let's say mid-teens, you're 15. Well, you're looking, aren't you? 15, you, you're kind of, you're ready for this relationship. And you're 15, I reckon, about then, right? Do you know the average age that um, women are getting married in Australia is 29 years. And the average age for a bloke who gets married is 31. So we've got this frustration because there's this time lag, this frustrating, painful time lag because we are ready to go right now and uh, we can't get there at the moment. So there's this low level and for some of us a high level of frustration that um, in this searching for the one. So tonight what I want to do is I want to share a few thoughts on how to manage this search, how to live in a time like that is now we're as keen as mustard um, but we have to wait until we find this, the right person for us to marry. How do we live life now? Um, how can we develop the ability to wait um, for the right time, the right person in the right way? Wait for them to come along. Maybe they won't even come along, but how do we do this? So to help us remember them, I'm going to use five P's and an M, right? <laughs> so we can remember them. I got a little lost down towards M, right? I thought I'd mix it up anyway. First P, how do we live now? I want to talk about perspective, right? And some of you have heard this before if you went to Soul Survivor. Okay, where does the, where does the desire for um, a relationship come in your line of thinking, like right now? Is meeting Mr. or Mrs. Wright the most important thing in your life today? Or is it like, Second, ooh, very close second. <laughs> yep, second, third, maybe a little bit lower. Or is it not even in your thinking? For many of us, I reckon if we were to be honest, um, the desire for the right person um, would be pretty high on the list of things that we most want. Now, let me just say from the outset, desiring a marriage partner is not the thing. It's not the thing we should be primarily focused on. It's not the most important thing that needs to be going on for us. So in uh, Matthew, and I'm going to just kind of dance through a few different passages. If you're quick, you can look it up. Matthew 6, um, verses 31 to 34. This, re- this is a, Jesus talking about worry, people that are worrying about stuff, wanting stuff, desiring things. And Jesus says, Do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will um, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now the verse to note here is... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So 
if you or I are fixated and more consumed by the hunt for Mr. and Mrs. Wright than on the kingdom, you need a change of perspective. Do you hear that? So if you're focused more on this relationship quest than on seeking the kingdom, you need to change your perspective. It's not all about you. It's another way of looking at it. God's not thinking that the most important thing for you is meeting a lovely girl or a handsome boy or a handsome girl and a lovely man or whatever you like to say. He wants you first and foremost to get your perspective right. He wants to be first in your life. He wants you to be seeking after him first, primarily, foremost in your life. This is what my aim is, my goal is. That's what God really wants for you. That's what he wants for you. We've got to get our perspective right. Now, you know, the first uh, people who gazed up into the, the sky and kind of observed the sun and the earth and tried to figure out what went on there, you know, like who's spinning around what. The first guys who looked at that and tried to sort it out, they all believed that the earth was the center. And the sun did this beautiful rotation around the earth. That's what everyone believed. And then this guy Copernicus comes along. And he says, well, actually, I've been checking it all out, and I reckon that maybe the sun's in the middle and the earth rotates around the sun. And all the people who were uh, the kind of the scientists or astronomers at the time, they were going, you're off your rocker. But then later on, this guy called Galileo and other scientists all confirmed that basically, no, no, the sun's in the middle and the earth spins around that. Now, many of us as Christians, we have this view that we are the center, and God rotates around us. That's kind of our view for some of us. We're the center, and we ask God to kind of just help us and rotate around what our plan is. And the perspective is me at the middle, not kind of us saying, you're God. You're the middle. You're the center. I'm going to just rotate my life around you. He's not a magic genie. He wants um, to get our perspective right. It's God first, God at the center, seeking God first. This is what I want to kind of lay before us tonight as the first thing. So if he's not, we've got to change our perspective. We've got to submit to God. We've got to surrender our life to God saying, you're the focus, God. I'm sorry that I place myself as king over the world, king over my world. We've got to get our perspective right. Now, at this point, uh, I want to move on to another P. Um, because I reckon um, perspective is one thing really, really important. And just think on that and take that and run with it and, and think about how you can sort that out. But the next one is that I reckon quite a few of us have kind of uh, maybe lived our lives for ourselves. And uh, instead of living the way God wants us to live, we might have strayed a bit. And all of a sudden, we're living... Um, you know, for, you know, not using our sexuality and the, the actions that result in a way that honours God. And what I want to say is, the next P is for pardon, or forgiveness, if you like. That if you have walked a path that is so not honouring God, that is so you at the centre, then you can have forgiveness for that. You can have forgiveness for that. The pardon's available. So some of us, we... Um, have been living a life that is not set apart for God at all. We haven't been living this life for Him. Sort our own fulfillment, maybe through 
flirting around with a whole lot of different people, having sex with people outside of marriage, kissing a whole lot of random people, lusting after girls and guys, self-satisfaction, whatever. Lots of us might have done this. And it's really important to know, for you to know, if this is you, that the pardon, the forgiveness is on offer. It really, really is, no matter what you've done. So we know um, from God's word that he hates sin, right? He really hates it. He gets very angry at it. At those people that sin and, and, if you like, kind of spit in God's face in rejection of him. He hates that. But God's love and his mercy and his faithfulness means that there's a pardon on offer. So 1 John 1, eight reads, If we confess our sins, and this is a deep, you know, God, this is yours. I'm sorry, I want to live for you now. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and He is just and He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise. That's the promise, people. The forgiveness is offered in Jesus' name when we confess our sins before Him and leave them away. Now, an obvious reality is, we can talk about this till the cows come home, but you need to be able to receive that too. So you, can, you need to be able to actually go, oh God, you say that, if I confess to you that I can have um, purification and freedom, then you need to simply say, I believe in you, Jesus. I want to trust in you for this offer. I believe you at your word. Some of us know it intellectually. Some of us find it really hard to receive it. But it's the only way. Now, for some of us, it might be a long road, okay, so that you might have kind of danced in some kind of funny places. And, and now, um, to really understand mercy and uh, total forgiveness, it's going to be a long road. I don't deny that. You can't just go, okay, I'm all good now. Um, and Alan Meyer, in this program that Jono um, spoke about at the start, this search for intimacy, speaks of some of the, some of the things that this road will include. And as I just... Um, skim through the list think about yourself think about the relevant ones for you so this is what he says about this road back to kind of you know to really know God's mercy and forgiveness he says um, we must choose to allow God to cut away the veil of shame cut away the veil of shame and dirtiness we'll allow God to do that anyone feeling shame and dirty tonight We must also, he says, choose to allow God to melt us, melt us, and reform us, and reform the secret places, hear this, this is interesting, reform the secret places within that have been imprinted with another person's impression. So the damage that he's done, that this imprinting, we need to let God melt us and reform us. And he also says we must have our conscious healed and cleansed through confession. And he says we must forgive those who we may feel have wronged us and truly repent and turn away from this way of misusing our sexuality. So some of those things you might be going, oh yeah, that, that rings a bell. And uh, search for intimacy, brilliant um, course to do. Valiant man, another one. So here, here again, John says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Does anyone here feel like they want to be purified, cleansed? So I'm saying it's on offer. God says it's on offer. The pardon is on offer. All we need to do is just confess it and give it to him and receive this forgiveness. It might be a long road for some of us. The pardon. 
second P. Righto. Perspective, pardon, and the next one, purity. Purity. God calls us to live for Him. God calls us to live for Him uh, lives that are sexually pure in a world that beckons us in another direction. So in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 16, that's 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16, um, Peter says, um, writing this letter to encourage people, um, therefore prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So God calls us to live sexually pure lives. He calls us to live holy lives. And holy is like, instead of being have our lives set for doing whatever the world wants, we actually say, no, my life is going to be set apart. My life is set apart, God, to do the things that you want me to do. And in this business of being holy, there is this really strong element of being sexually pure. But the problem, right, is that our world, our society, is just like hyper on kind of sex. Everywhere you, you look, everywhere you turn, media, kind of newspapers, magazines, TV, internet, whatever, it's all just hypersexualized. In today's culture, it's a massive challenge. If we just listen to what the uh, overriding kind of wave of thought is, then we're going to get stuff like, it's all right. <laughs> Having sex with people who aren't married, whatever. What is the problem? This is what the world says. What's the problem? It's just a bit of fun. I mean, you can get married, but that's like for settling down. That's having kids, but like, just have sex now. I mean, how do you know if you're going to be sexually compatible? <laughs> Whatever. How do you know if it's going to be all good? Do you know what I mean? The world just says, try. Try before you buy. Get out there and, and have a go. There's no harm in it. But Peter says, this is the apostle of God communicating to those who want to live for him. He says, Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your minds fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ returns. So remember, man, this is your goal. Remember what you're hoping for. He says, be obedient. Don't conform to the evil desires that you used to have when you lived in ignorance. Be obedient, don't conform. Be obedient, don't conform. The world says conform. The world says do this. Pete's saying be obedient, don't conform. He says set yourself apart. Be holy. Set yourself apart for God and seeking to do His will. It's this big challenge on being pure for God. Now, what does it look like? You know, I'm not going to fully um, go into this well, but I reckon it flows being pure for God, sexually pure for God, flows from a life that is more and more sorted out its perspective. So uh, if you're like, oh, nah, God, you're the center. I'm not living for myself now. I'm going to live for you. If you're doing that and you're saying, God, I, just, I want your spirit to lead me and you're allowing God's spirit to guide and you're surrendered to God's spirit and you're saying, I want to seek your kingdom first, your righteousness. You know, if you're making this your priority, 
then purity will flow from this. If you don't have the perspective right, mate, you're just not going to work out. But perspective right, purity will flow from this. And I think the kind of life that will flow is one that wants to, seeks to obey God at his word. And the pattern, uh, the model for sexually intimate relationship, this beautiful ordained parameters of marriage, you know, that's what we're going to be striving for more and more when we have our kind of perspective right, waiting for marriage. I realize I'm just skimming through this. There's so much you could keep digging out. But God desires that we live pure lives for him. Pure in this time where we're waiting for the person we'd marry. Live pure lives for God, for his glory, that he would be praised, that he would be delighted with how we live. Purity. Um, I mentioned at the start of the message that the average age that people are getting married uh, 29 for ladies and 31 for blokes. That was in 2003. It's probably gone up a little bit. Now, people get married, of course, at younger ages, um, late teens, early 20s. But the reality, right, remember, is that if we desire, um, you know, members of the opposite sex at 15 years of age, and there's a, a long wait, let's, it's a conservative estimate to say we'll be waiting for 10 years. That's what I want to play with now. 10 years... So for some of us, a whole lot more. Ten years, for some of us, perhaps never. Perhaps never. And as a single bloke, I can remember with great clarity every day that I was quite often consumed by this desire for someone I could marry. And it would just kind of overrun my thinking quite a lot. So the next P I want to encourage us, encourage us to really think to think and aspire for is patience now i reckon we love this word patience he loves patience brayden you love patience as a game on the computer <laughs> you might be thinking um you know things like this like someone says hey just be patient have patience i really 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 want to meet someone now now and someone says, be patient, you'll meet the right person. And now I'm saying, you're thinking, Phil, I'm tired of hearing that word. You say it again, and I get up there, and I smack in the head. Because the reality, we don't like it. And most of us are shockers at being patient. Everything we do, it's got to be quick and instant results. We want it to happen now. And we're really trained by our culture. We're trained by our culture to think in this kind of way. You know, if you want it, our society, our culture says you should be able to get it now, immediately. If we have to wait, we get frustrated. For example, you go to McDonald's and you're hungry and you order whatever value meal you want. Let's say it's a Big Mac value meal and you pay your money and they say, sorry, there'll be a two-minute wait on that. Two minutes? You've got to be out of your mind. What are you talking about? This is rubbish service. Hurry up with my Big Mac. Now, maybe you don't say that. I only said it once when it was a slip of my mind. No, I didn't say it. But maybe you're thinking that. It's two minutes. We have to get an apology from McDonald's lady because a burger is going to be two minutes. It's a bit out of control. Or, for example, what about you're going to Coles and you want to get your shopping done? So you walk into, you get all your gear and you walk up to the checkout, but you don't go to just any checkout, do you? Mm-mm. There is a fast one in there somewhere. 
So what you do is you, um, you look at who's in, a, who's in a queue for starters. And mate, if there's one person in your queue and there's two or three over there, but the one's got like a trolley load and these two or three have got like four or five bits, you're doing a calculation in your head and you're going, that's still going to win. And then let's say you get into that queue, but the other one's, the other checkout person is just this super quick scanner and she's just binging them through. And you're looking at them going like, she's fed and going to be first and I'm in here behind these two people. It's just like, it's out of control because we're going to, you know, time, man. We just got to, we just want it fast, now, immediate. We expect instant results and patience is the furthest thing from our minds. But do you know when you hand your life over to, uh, to God and you begin to follow him and you're saying things like, God, uh, you lead me. Uh, God, I um, want your spirit to guide me here. More of you, less of me. When you're following Jesus in this way, you start to do things and get shaped into a way that's counter our culture. So in Galatians 5.22, the Apostle Paul says, like the more you allow God and you ask God's spirit to lead you, he's going to form your character. He's going to form like fruit on you. Not like an orange out of your elbow, that would just be weird, but... It forms fruit in your life, just character traits. And the passage reads from 5.22, common, oldie bit of goodie, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. It's that word again. Patience is like the fruit that is seen in those people who are more and more and more given over for God's Spirit to lead them in their life. So while we don't like being patient, um, we don't like being told to be patient or wait. God would say that this is a character trait of those people who are more and more given over to be led by God and have the right perspective in their life. Now, it's not something that people we're good at, right? But it's something we can grow in. We make Jesus Christ our focus and surrender more and more to Him. Ask God's, ask God's Spirit to lead us. Not only ask, but actually allow and surrender to God to lead us. So it's crucial to finding the right person, right? And a lack of patience. If you lack patience, what it will mean is that you can potentially rush into a relationship with the wrong person. And believe me, the, when you finally realize that it's the wrong person, and you've already gone and done um, things with this particular person, it doesn't have to be sex, whatever, and you're pulling off and you're breaking off, that pain's going to be a whole lot more than the pain of waiting. Patience is important. Now, I want to go on a bit of a tangent. It's not quite my hobby horse, but I think it's getting there, right? Um, I want to talk about God's will. God's will. God's will, right? I've had a number of conversations um, with people where they've been telling me about a girl or a guy you know, and I ask them things like, you know, how's it all going and that kind of stuff and, you know, and they might share with me, oh, it's great, you know, it's like we get to know each other really good, spending time, we really have really similar personalities and, and I think it's God's will we get married. God's will. It's at this point, I get a little worried, not always, but quite often a little worried, not because I don't believe in God's will and God leading people together and guiding them, I get a little worried because sometimes it's spoken 
as a kind of an opinion silencer. So you might be, you know, a few people have been talking to this person and they kind of might sense it, you're about to speak about it, and they say, like, it's God's will. Case is closed. Case is closed. It's like, hallelujah, the Lord has spoken to this person, this couple, only them. Sometimes it's not God's will at all. Let me just say that again. Sometimes it's not God's will at all. Sometimes it can be, others it's not. We've just decided that to convince ourselves that we're right, that we've made a good decision. Now, um, some of us, I mentioned before, we went to uh, Soul Survivor, this kind of Christian youthy young adult festival. Um, and the guy, this guy, Mike Pilavachi, who sort of started this festival in the UK, he has a policy, a praying policy, right? So they say, Boys can pray with boys. Girls can pray with girls. Because what he doesn't want is God's will being spoken at a time like uh, a guy praying over a girl, uh, you know, praying about relationships, and it's like, oh, you know, I really feel God speaking to me now, and he just feels like the, the man that's going to come along, he's going to come along really soon. And a bit more praying, and the girls like going, yeah, yeah, I feel it too. It's great, and he's going, you know, and hang on, I really feel like God's saying that you're wounded from a past relationship. I just want to pray for you for that. And I feel like that He's going to send. It's it's me. God's sending me to help restore you, restore your wounds. I'm the lover of your life. Here I am. Danger, danger. <laughs> a word of caution. Be very careful when you say this. That is your life s- surrendered to Jesus Christ? Are you living first and foremost for Him? If you say to people, this is God's will, God's telling me this is the one, no one can really say it's not. It's kind of like closes up the possibility of advice and encouragement. And you know, God's placed us in community for a reason and one of the many reasons is simply collective wisdom is a fantastic thing. So please read, uh, I'll just, Proverbs 12.15, it says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 19.20 reads, Listen to advice and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. Let me just read that again. Proverbs 9 and 20. Listen to advice, accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Now, the relationship may well be God's will. You know, and people will confirm that around you. People will encourage you in that around you. Um, but be very careful because if it isn't, and you've just decided, you're lining yourself up for a very pain-filled relationship. God's not in it, just leave it. Leave it alone. We need to practice patience. Okay, the final P, um, just in keeping with P's, just before we look at our M, which I know you're just going, Ooh, what's the M? It's got to be cool. Perseverance, very briefly. Perseverance, this is to stress the importance of being patient for not just, Phil, I've been patient, I've been waiting, it's been ages, I think I'm ready for marriage now. And I said, didn't we have a conversation a week ago about that? Not just patient for a week, but 
persevering in patience until God provides you with the right person, if he ever does. Being persevering in patience, persevering in keeping Jesus Christ as the focus of your life. Persevere in that. Persevere in humbling and surrendering your life to him. We've got to keep doing that. Got to keep doing that. Persevering patience. That was quick. Okay, the M. The M. Now, the M is like for model. I'm going to be very tentative here and put through a possible model. Now, I could have done P for paragon. Paragon, isn't that a cool word? No one's impressed at all. I could have done P for paragon, but you know people who like, they have like all these special words so you can remember it really easy. But then one of the words is like so left of field, but they wanted a word that started with that letter and you can never remember it, which was the purpose of the exercise. Anyway, sorry, model. <laughs> you can ask me later. I was laughing in my own head then. All right. Here's a model. A model for how we could go about relationships in the meantime. As in, from now when we're all keen to go, keen as mustard, but waiting, waiting, waiting for marriage. Here's a model, and let me just say, it's not law, this model. Uh, it's not that you have to do it, nor is it what I think God is telling you tonight, that you have to do this. And I confess I didn't do this model of dating for myself. But what I want you to think, if, I do want you to think it through. I want you to pray about it. I want you to talk about it. I want you to discuss it, debate it, you know, talk to it, talk to your girlfriend about it, your boyfriend, talk to whoever. Just, you know, is it something we should aspire to? Are you ready? Before you're married, treat those you go out with as you would a brother or a sister. Treat those you would go out with as you would a brother or a sister. You're what? That's a little extreme, Phil. This is where I walk out of the building, you wacko. Treat those you would go out with as a brother or sister. I'm thinking, this is my model. I never did, but I reckon it's brilliant. The Bible, right, is very clear on the paragon of marriage as a, the prime relationship, the one that we aspire to. The Bible's very clear on don't go floozing around outside of marriage. It's clear on the need for sexual purity. It's clear on the fruit of the spirit of self-control, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of patience. But it's not clear on dating, it's um, because I think dating is probably appears to be more of a development now rather than 2,000 years ago. But here's some logic and wisdom for you to think through. If God is a God that says uh, marriage is the goal, and he does, Genesis, this is the mandate, marriage is a goal between one woman and one man, a relationship of commitment and mutual love. And if God says, be self-controlled, don't conform to the desires you used to have before you knew him. Okay, if this is God, marriage, commitment, 
self-sacrificing love, mutual respect, integrity, fruit of the Spirit, self-control, patience. You know, don't sexual immorality outside of marriage, not good, not good. If God says this, how can it be right? How can it be right in moving uh, from one relationship to another, kissing the odd person? Just take kissing. Enjoying a few cuddles and uh, whispering soft, sweet nothings into each other's ears and whatever else. Excuse me from say- for saying this, right? Um, but don't you think it, that kind of thing seems a little self-indulgent? Do you think? How can it be holy and pleasing for God when he set up this marriage, commitment, self-sacrificing love? How can it be right? And not that this may mean much, but in my experience, um, in, now that I'm married to Michelle, got married at 26, so there was at least 11 years of frustration plus a bit more. You know, I wish now, in hindsight, that I don't have any of the memories of girls I've kissed or have been out with now. I, I fairly can, can say that, that I, I wish I'd never had any of those memories. Fun at the time, wish it never happened. Because now, these memories, they kind of intrude on my relationship with Michelle, my relationship with my wife. I don't want them there, but they're there for all time. What do you think about the model? Rubbish or some merit? And like I say, I'm not saying it as law. Treat those you go out with as you would your brother or your sister. Um, Would you cuddle your brother or sister? We all now. Would you hug your brother or sister? Would you hold the hand of your brother or sister? Would you kiss your brother or your sister? We must really honour those we go out with. If you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, we just really must honour them. Now you might choose to do this in, a, in another way, but we need to honour them, not defile them. We can really get to know each other um, so much without the physical. In fact, rushing to the physical, many of you have probably got experience, but it can simply prevent you from going deeper in a relationship because the physical pleasure that you long for just sidetracks you, sidetracks you from um, conversation and, and getting to know them. So there's a model, not exhaustive, and I'm glad the oranges haven't smacked me in the head. Um, but just to kind of discuss, like actually, even if you're going out with someone, you do things, just sit down and go, could God's intention actually be something else? Less of this stuff what we're doing now. Because your primary focus, your perspective in life, shouldn't be about what I'm feeling now, what I want now, but about honouring God and about glorifying Him. That's why we follow Jesus. So to summarize, perspective. We must get our perspective right. We can ask for and receive a pardon, forgiveness for past issues. We, can, we must be empowered by the Spirit, work towards purity. And we must patiently persevere until God provides us with the right person for marriage. Now just to round up, in June this year, 
I'll have been married to Michelle for a quaint um, little four years. Um, a nice number, I reckon. And I reckon I could add to the list of P's, right? All those things that happen when you get married, like pain and puzzlement and poverty. Especially if you're a bloke. Don't laugh, girls. You're going to make us poor. Anyway, the relationship of marriage is amazing in all its challenges and in all its blessing. It's truly the thing that you want to wait for, that you want to wait to meet the right person for. And let me just say, uh, a bit of a caveat here, it's not by no means the only way for a Christian because a call to a single life, a life of celibacy fully devoted to Christ, it actually appears to be held even higher than marriage by the Apostle Paul. There's another way that perhaps God is leading you to. But marriage, it's the one to wait for, the one to desire, the one to ask God for if you really want it. Ask God to send you the right person. But never should your search for a a marriage partner become the focus just doesn't work if your perspective is on God first and seeking to honor him God that's his place reserve that for God let's pray